0: So why did Jesus come to earth? Why did he heal the sick, teach multitudes of people? Why did he go to the cross and rise from the dead? Why? He tells us one answer in Matthew 16, 18. He says, I will build my church. I will build my church. So Jesus is building a church. He's building a people from every nation, tongue and tribe. He's building a church. But this church is clear in the New Testament that it's made up of smaller churches. Jesus talks about that in Matthew chapter 18, where he explains how a local church, what a local church can do to, to strengthen each members to fight against sin. So what Jesus is calling us to do, what his purpose is, and what he's calling us to do is to build his church, which means seeing lost people saved and gathered together into churches throughout the world. Every nation, every tongue, every tribe, that's what he's calling us to do. Build, see people saved, gathered together into churches, build his church throughout the the globe. So what is a church? Church. What do these churches look like? And he tells us in the New Testament very clearly. Let me give you a couple of things that he mentions just to get us all on the same page. Churches are marked by the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Crucial. Regular celebrations of baptism and communion. Every member growing in making disciples. Making disciples. A team of elders shepherding, loving, teaching, leading, and church members covenanting together to fulfill Christ's purposes. Those are some of the benchmarks, hallmarks of church in the New Testament. And what I want to focus on this afternoon is what is it that that holds all of that together? If you're building a building, you got nails, you got cement. But in the New Testament church, what is it that holds all of those elements together? And the answer is, it's love. Love for each other. New Testament churches have so much love. The, the, the brothers and sisters in New Testament churches have so much love for each other that it makes the world sit up and take notice. That's what I'm going to show you this afternoon and what that looks like. So look at First. John chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. Let's start there. Next week, by the way, we're going to return to Luke's gospel. Pastor Ben's preaching. Tonight, though, I want us to talk about the importance of loving each other and about how we pursue that kind of love at Grace Church. So look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. And notice why love for other believers is so important. So important. Look at what John says. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Now, let me just mention that the word brothers here is generic. It's re- referring to brothers and sisters, God's people, brothers and sisters, men and women in the faith. So we know we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers, brothers and sisters. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Unless, of course, this murderer confesses his sins and puts his trust in Jesus Christ, right? But otherwise, no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love that He, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, brothers and sisters. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Now, why is love for our fellow believers so important? The answer is in verse 14. Read it again. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. So the reason love for our fellow believers is so important is because it shows that we've passed out of death into life. Now, what does that mean to pass Out of death into life. What is that? And I found a verse that explains exactly what it is. It's what Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 24. He uses the exact same phrase and explains it. John 5, 24. Here's what Jesus said. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. So to pass out of death into life means to pass from being under God's judgment and moving into eternal life instead. So it means being saved. Passing out of death into life means being saved. And that's why loving our fellow believers is so important. It shows we've been saved. That's the point of verses 14 and 15. Read those two verses again. We know that we've passed out of death into life. That means we've been saved because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death, has not been saved yet. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. It's not saved. So the reason loving other believers is so important is because it shows that we've been saved. It's huge. Now, here's why. Before we were saved, we were under God's judgment because of our sin. Cut off from God, our hearts were empty. Our hearts were thirsty. We didn't know the God who we were created to know and have joy and have our heart thirsts quenched. We were cut off from God, empty, thirsty, under God's judgment. But when you heard the good news of Jesus and put your trust in Jesus to forgive your sins, to change you, to satisfy you, the moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ, all your sins were completely forgiven, and God's life and God's love was poured into your heart. It's like you were put under a fountain. Just this outpouring, this gushing of cold, crisp, clear, clean water into your empty, thirsty heart. That's what happens when you're saved and and that, that fountain of God's love, God's life, so secures you. I mean, his promises, his care for you, his life and his love so secures you and so fills you for the first time you were just completely secured in his love, completely filled with his beauty, his glory, that you overflowed in love for others who know God's life and love. That's what happens when you're When you're saved, everyone who gets saved comes under the fountain of God's life and love, and as a result, starts loving other believers. And so one way you can tell you've been saved is because you love your fellow believers. Picture like this, just just like you take your your blood pulse to see if you've got a heartbeat, okay? Okay. All right, there it is. Good. Good to know. You take your blood pulse to find that you've got a heartbeat. So you check your love pulse, your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ, to check to see if you've got salvation. You take your blood pulse to make sure you've got a heartbeat. You take your love pulse, which assures you that you've got salvation. Now, Let's be clear. John is not talking about perfectly loving our brothers and sisters. We know he's not saying that because in chapter 1 of 1 John, he says, none of us is without sin. This side of heaven. After sin, praise God, we're glorified, perfected. But this side of heaven, saved people are not sinless. So he's not talking about perfect love for believers. But if you check your love pulse... And you can see, I, I want to love my brothers and sisters. Um, I'm, I'm seeking to love my brothers and sisters. I'm, I'm, I'm growing. I'm actually growing in my, my love for my brothers and sisters. And, and when I fail at loving my brothers and sisters, I confess that. I cry out to Jesus to help me. And I, I ask him because I, I, I want to love my brothers and sisters. If, if that's what you see when you check your love pulse and you know you've been saved. You've been under that fountain. That's where that love came from. But if you check your love pulse and there's no interest in loving believers, no desire to be with God's people, and that would show you haven't been saved yet. That's what John is saying. So check your love pulse. We all need more, even if you've been under the fountain, okay, and you've, You've been loving your brothers and sisters. We all want to grow in this more. So let's ask the question, how do we grow in this love? We've got it. We're feeling it. Praise God we're saved. I want to grow It's part of that love pulse. How do we grow in this love? Now, you could make a mistake from what John has said in this passage. You could think, I can tell I've been saved because I love my brothers and sisters, So, boy, I'm going to do some loving things for my brothers and sisters tonight just to make sure that I'm saved. That would be a mistake. That would be a mistake. It's not what John says. Where does this love he's talking about come from? Not just, uh, I'm going to go do some loving things now. That's not where it comes from. Where does it come from? Look at verse 14 again. We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Where does this love come from? It comes from the life of God pouring into our hearts. Not just from ourselves, it comes from his life pouring into us. Verse 15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Why not? It's because if he had eternal life abiding in him, he would not be hating, he'd be loving. Love comes from having eternal life, abiding in you, being under the fountain, receiving God's life and God's love. Verse 17. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? The answer is, it doesn't. Why? Well, because if it did... If God's love abided in you, if you had been under the fountain receiving God's life and God's love, when you see a brother in need, it would break your heart. It would touch you. I want to help this brother. You'd be so secured in God's love, so filled with God's life, that you'd want to help this needy brother, this needy sister. So these verses all show that this love doesn't just come from, I'm going to do some loving things so I'll be sure I'm a Christian. This love comes from, Turning to Jesus Christ, trusting him, which brings me under this fountain of his his life and his love, and that will flow out then in love for fellow believers. See, here's what I found. Whenever my love pulse is weak, it's always the case. It's, I haven't been under the fountain lately. I've been running after this, pursuing that, all excited about this other thing but I haven't been under the fountain, and if I will take some time and seek God's face, open up the scriptures, pour my soul out before him, read, worship, praise, trust, love, the fountain starts to fill, I'm secured, my fears are alleviated, My emptinesses are satisfied. My longings are filled and satisfied. And and love starts to flow once again. Whenever I check my love pulse and it's weak, it's always because I haven't been under the fountain as much lately. Have you seen the same thing? That's what this passage is teaching. Love doesn't just come from us deciding to love. Love comes from us being under the fountain, receiving his life and his love, being secured, being satisfied. And whenever that happens, love will flow. That's what John's saying in these scriptures. So that's how we grow in this love. Get under the fountain. How's the fountain been for you lately? Remember the fountain? Hopefully it hasn't been too long ago. Hopefully it's been today. You've had time under the fountain, pouring your soul out before the Lord, meeting our Savior, trusting His promises, worshiping Him. That's how we grow in this love. Now, what exactly is this love? John defines it pretty carefully here in these verses. What does this love look like? One picture is in verse 16, very challenging. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Here's what this love looks like loving our brothers and sisters means laying our lives down for them. Just like Jesus laid his life down for us. And and how did Jesus lay his life down for us? By dying on the cross. That's how. This is a shocking picture, brothers and sisters. It means that love for each other isn't just something we do if it's convenient or or if it feels good. The cross was not convenient. The cross did not feel good. It meant laying Jesus' life down for us. And this is the picture of what it means for us to love each other. We're we're laying our lives down for each other. So it's not just something that's convenient. I can squeeze that in. We're under the fountain of God's life and his love. And he so secures us. We know our eternity is set. My present, my future, my eternity is set. Forgiven, nothing can separate me from God's love. I am set, secured, and I'm filled, overflowing. And that means I can love other brothers and sisters in ways way that are sacrificial. In ways that can be costly. Because my future is set. Who cares about sacrifice or cost? Look at my eternity, secured, filled. Sacrificial, risk-taking love flows from that. So what does this love look like? It looks like Jesus on the cross. That's what it looks like. Another picture, verse 17, John gets very specific. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him. Uh Uh-uh, I'm not going to do anything. How does God's love abide in him? Answer, it doesn't. It's very challenging. If you see a brother or a sister who's struggling financially, we don't just walk away. We care. We have compassion. We ask what's going on. We may introduce them to the benevolence team. See what steps we can take to help. But we don't just close our heart up against this person. When God's love is abiding in you, when you've been under the fountain, you'll have a tender heart towards those around you who are in need. And look at how John puts it in verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So we shouldn't just talk about loving other believers. We should really love them. Really love them. Indeed, we're doing actual things, okay? Driving them to the airport. I'll go with you to help you get your UAE pass. Wow, that's costly. Okay, that's 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 sacrificial. All the different things, ways we can help people tangibly here. Doing. We, we love indeed and we love in truth, which means we really love them. We care about them. We feel for them. We're concerned about how they're doing. We have affection for them. That's what comes from the fountain. So, those are three pictures of love from 1 John. Now, I wanted to broaden this out even more. We're talking about what is it that holds the church together, these different elements in the church. You've got hammers and nails, which hold houses together. You've got cement, which holds houses together. What holds the church building together, the spiritual building? It's love. Those are a couple of pictures. Let me give you some more pictures from some other passages. New Testament brotherly, sisterly love means we will encourage each other every day. It's an amazing passage. Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. The author says, But encourage one another day after day. Underline those words in your Bible. Day after day. As long as it is still called today. That is, as long as Jesus hasn't come back yet, every day be encouraging each other so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Followers of Jesus encourage each other every day. Every day. Every day. Isn't that a little much? Saturday afternoons, I'll take that. Why every day? We encourage each other every day because Satan is attacking our brothers and sisters every day. That's why. He doesn't just attack Saturday afternoons, he attacks on Sundays. He's been known to attack on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, and Saturdays. Okay, every day, Satan's attacking, and so we love each other. We know he's attacking our brothers and sisters. So we want to encourage each other every day. This also means we will suffer with those who suffer. I love this passage, 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. What a beautiful picture. Picture a community of believers where when any one of them suffers, they're all feeling it. What that means is that we have warm, trusting, tender, kind, Relationships with each other so that people are free to share their sufferings. And they know that they'll be cared for. They'll be listened to. They'll be understood. They'll be encouraged. But this love that marks the New Testament church, if one member suffers, all suffer together. So no believer should ever suffer alone. Never. You're rushed to the hospital. We're there. We're there. You just lost your job. Can I come over? Can we talk? How are you doing? No believer should ever suffer alone. Do you see that? All of God's people suffering together. Grace Church, let's be a church where no one here ever suffers alone. So those are some pictures that describe the kind of love Jesus wants us to have for each other. It's astonishing, and it's the kind of love that people here in Abu Dhabi, when they see this lived out in church life, they will sit up and take notice. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. What's new about it is, even as I have loved you, You are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples because you have love for one another. This raises a question. That's what kind of love the New Testament church is to have. How are we going to pursue that kind of love at Grace Church? How do we do that? Every church has got to figure this out. How are we going to structure ourselves so we can move toward that radical kind of love? Saturday afternoons are a crucial part of this. It's vital that we have a time to come together. Worship in song. It's like we were doing earlier. So good. Just to behold the Lord, to worship Him, to exalt Him. So powerful. To receive teaching from God's Word like we're doing right now. And to see each other face to face. Before, afterwards, how's it going? How are you? So Saturday afternoons are crucial for this. But our conviction here is that we need more than Saturday afternoons. We need more than Saturday afternoons. I mean, think about it. How can we structure ourselves so we experience being part of communities where we, when one suffers, all suffer? How do we structure so that that happens? This is too big of a group for that. How do we do that? So we can all be giving and receiving encouragement from each other every day. How do we structure for that? So we can all work together in growing in evangelism and making disciples. How do, we, how do we structure for that? In our conclusion, there's lots of ways to do it, but our conclusion is that the best way is with small groups, what we call home groups here at Grace Church. Home groups. What is a home group? It's a community of maybe 8 to 20 plus people, depending on how large they get. Diverse group, men, women, young, olds. Indian, German, South African, all different ethnicities are there, different jobs, different personalities, very different people, all beautifully united together with love for Jesus Christ and zeal for his glory and his honor. That's what a home group is. Home groups at Grace are geographically centered because the closer you live to each other, the more convenient it is to get that time together. And what I want to do is I want to show you on a map where each home group is so you can see, and I'm going to be encouraging you, if you're not in a home group, find the one closest to you. So take note of these. Here's the map. Can we get the map up? Boom. Look at that. Thanks, Ben. Beautiful map. Let's go through these. Here's here's the map. First of all, there at the top, there is the downtown or far left. I'm sorry. Far left is the downtown home group. And I'm going to have the home group. Rob and Margie, why don't you stand up? Where are you? Rob's here. Margie's upstairs with the kids. Okay. All right. Meeting now on Fridays at 6:30. Okay. So that's the downtown home group. And then let's go far over to the right top corner. The Yaz Island home group. Bob and Karen. Bob and Karen. But there's Karen back there. Okay. Hello. Meeting Tuesdays at seven, right, Karen? Okay. Tuesdays at seven. And then coming down straight down the Al Raha. Gardens home group down to the left a little bit there in the Raja Gardens area. Aaron, Tash, there they are. Woo-hoo! <laughs> Tuesdays at seven, along with Luke and Lorna. But Luke and Lorna are out of town this weekend, aren't they? Okay, so they're they're leaving that with you guys. The All Raja Beach Home Group, that's Jan and me, Tuesdays at seven o'clock. And you can see where we are right there. And then the All Rihanna home group, this down a little bit to the left there, Al Rihanna. At that whole complex, Earl and Len. Where's Earl and Len? There's Earl. Okay. Meeting Tuesday night. A lot of these are at Tuesday night at seven, but we're trying to branch out a little bit more. Be patient with us. The Mohammed Bin Zayed City Home Group, Akin and Wumi. Where's Akin and Wumi? There's Akin right there. There's Wumi. Okay. Very good. Tuesday nights at seven also, and then way down at the bottom, the Shabia Home Group, Will, right here. Okay. And Lisa. Hello, Lisa. To Fridays at five, right? Okay, very good. And then we're praying that we can soon see home groups on Reem Island and in Al-Reef and in the Mushrif area. So we're praying for home groups there. But those are our, our home groups. And so home groups, we want them to be geographically centered because again, like I said, the closer you live to each other, the more you'll be able to have community together. Home groups meet together once a week. Here's what we do at those meetings. We share how we're doing, what's going on in our lives. We encourage each other with God's promises. and We'll take time, if somebody's worried about something or discouraged, we'll share God's promises, and then we will lay hands on them and pray that God uses those promises to strengthen their faith and to encourage their hearts. We open up and study God's word together. We pray together. We pray for our own needs, prayer requests that are shared. We pray for our city. We pray for our country here. We pray for this region. We pray for the advance of the gospel. We pray for the outpouring of God's spirit upon us and upon other like-minded churches. We get some training in evangelism. We work on that. We plan evangelistic things, we do like game nights or let's go to the beach or whatever. We, we, we plan things like that. So that, that's what we do at these meetings. We meet once a week. And then within each home group, we have what's called um, DNA groups, men's women's discipleship groups, three to five men, three to five women meeting together once a week. And we meet together to share honestly what's been going on in our lives. We share our spiritual victories. We share our spiritual defeats. We strengthen each other. We love each other. We encourage each other. We sharpen each other. We disciple each other. I love those DNA groups. That's once a week, and those are within each home group. So home groups meet once a week, but it's not just a once-a-week meeting. It's not just something in your schedule. It's a group, group of people that you love. Church is not just a, just meetings. It's, it's a group of people that you love. That's what home group is. That's what home groups are. So, in light of what love is in the New Testament church and the fact that we believe the way we structure Grace Church in terms of how to do that is through home groups, what does this mean for us? You can see where this is going, right? You've all got to sign up for home groups. Two things this means. Understand the importance of loving our fellow brothers and sisters. And John is very strong, and, and it is sobering to think that you take your love pulse for your fellow believers, and that will assure you, I trust that will assure you that you're saved. But see, it's that important, because it will show you've been under the fountain, you've been saved. And again, it's not going to be perfect, but it's that you, I, do, I want to grow in that. I want to love my brothers and sisters more, encourage them more, strengthen them more, care for them more. Check your love pulse. Loving our fellow brothers and sisters is very important. Church isn't just a meeting you attend, come in and go out. It's a group of people you love. The New Testament doesn't know anything about just an individual private spirituality between me and Jesus. No other people involved. That is not anywhere found in the New Testament. You are saved. You become part of a body. You're grafted into a body. And there's love there. You need your brothers and sisters. Your brothers and sisters need you. And oh, the joy that comes when we have those beautiful close relationships. So understand the importance of loving fellow believers and and that at Grace Church, we structure the way we structure to do that is through home groups. And so then secondly, I want to encourage you to become part of a home group. Let's talk about this a little bit. Let's talk about COVID. Because of COVID, our home groups have been meeting through Zoom, which has been a blessing, right? Better Zoom than nothing, big time, definitely, no doubt about it. But Zoom has also gotten us out of the habit of getting into the car, driving to somebody's house for home group, right? You just kind of sit down at your desk, you, you know, flip on your computer. So much more convenience. So much easier just to sit at home and do Zoom, right? But listen, I think we'd all agree with this. Face-to-face is so much better. Oh, re- remember face-to-face meetings? Okay, we're having them right here. Face to face is so much better. Conversations before and after. Remember those? Awesome. Discussion, instead of just like one personal screen, boop, you know, we can all kind of talk together. It, it, discussions is so much better. More, more open sharing. More, more heart connection. More, more possibilities for evangelism and planning. How, how are we going to do this? Face to face takes a lot more time and energy and effort, we're finding. But it is so much better. So our home groups are talking about how to move toward returning to -to face-to-face meetings. Now, if you struggle with meeting face-to-face for medical reasons or for schedule reasons, talk to your home group leader. We want to find a way to help you um, become part of that. So if you've got schedule reasons or health reasons, we want to find out and, and see what we can do to help you. But we are committed to doing all that we can to moving toward meeting face to face. And this will take more time. This will take more energy. This will take more effort. There's no doubt about it. But the, the benefits that will come to you, the, that when your group starts meeting face-to-face, the benefits that you will experience will be totally worth the extra time, the extra effort, and the extra energy. So, as we start moving toward face-to-face, when you find yourself thinking, this is, this is going to take time, this is going to be, you know, a lot more effort, listen, here's what I want you to do. Get under the fountain, receive from the Lord, cry out to Jesus to help you, And then pick up your car keys, get in your car, and go. That's what I encourage you to do. When you feel like this is inconvenient, it was a lot easier not doing this, face-to-face is so much better. I guarantee. Get back into face-to-face for a month or two or three, you will agree. Yes. Yes. A lot of us have forgotten. Don't forget. Now, if you're not part of a home group yet, let me encourage you to visit the one that's closest to you. Get to know the home group leader. Meet some other people that are there. Think about joining a a DNA group. Start connecting with those people. Experience some everyday receiving and giving of fellowship and watch your love pulse grow and your love for the Lord grow and the impact on your neighborhood and your community and your workplace grow. That's what I would encourage you to do if you're not yet part of a home group. If you are already part of a home group, Let me encourage you to renew your commitment to that home group. Zoom and COVID have been hard on our home groups. But let me encourage you to see the importance of face-to-face fellowship. In fact, there's a scripture I left off. Oh, yeah. Remember the one about don't neglect to meet together? Where is that? It's in the Bible, but I mean, where in my notes is it? Here it is. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Don't neglect meeting together. So I want to encourage you, get under the fountain. Say, Lord, help me. I've, I've gotten out of, out of the rhythm of meeting with people face-to-face. And get, get back into that, into that rhythm. Ask him to help you. He will totally help you. It will cost you time and energy, absolutely, but your, your love pulse will strengthen. You'll receive great encouragement, and Jesus will be pleased. So here's what we're going to do. On the way out, all of our home group leaders are going to be, in fact, home group leaders, why don't you guys go, just go like right now? And they're all going to have little signs with their home group. And they'll all be out in the foyer. So it's like space yourself out so that people who just, I, I, I want to be, meet with the, you know, all will on a home group leader and you'll be able to see there they are. And then you can ask questions, build some relationship, have some in, in back and forth there. So with this other way out, then you can have those conversations. And, and, and Grace Church, let's keep in mind what John has said in this passage. John says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers and the sisters. So, so important. And as we are under the fountain, receiving his life and his love, that will grow. It always does. Let's pray together. We praise you for the blueprint you've given to us of what church life is to be. That amazing description of community and love that we see in the New Testament scriptures. And Lord, we know that this takes effort, this takes energy, this costs. But Lord, we know it's our call and we know that you will give us grace as we come under the fountain and we know that we will be blessed as we pursue this. So I pray that you would help each of us, Lord, whatever the barriers are that's in the way. COVID has been hard, but oh Lord, stir us up, deepen our love, deepen our affection, our care for each other, and bless as we take steps to obey you in loving each other, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.